and welcome to Common Sense Fitness. I'm Dave. All right, I've got to do this next bit by myself. And this is the show where we talk about health, fitness, and well-being, take away the hype, and talk about how to take a common sense approach. So you might notice by that introduction that I'm on my own today. Erin is on the road, so uh, you're stuck with me. It's very awkward having to read that rest of that introduction. Usually that's Erin's job, but she'll be back next week. So today, how are you doing out there? It's already May, which is crazy. Um, I've had a very hectic beginning of my year. A lot has happened in the last four to five months, so I'm actually kind of ready for Christmas, but it's nice that we still have so much time left of the year to go. Things are getting a little bit cold up in here in Brisbane, which is always a really refreshing change. Lots of new things happening in life and a little focal point or concept that I rediscovered this week when I was doing some goal setting and some uh, development work for my run coaching business um, was the concept of a BHAG, a BHAG, which is a big, hairy, audacious goal. So it's B-H-A-G. And the BHAG or big, hairy, audacious goal is something I really like to think about when I'm considering a new venture or a new goal in my life. Sometimes I think we settle for what we think we can achieve in a relatively short or small frame of um, frame of time, and we don't set ourselves up for our full potential. And what I mean by that is if we think about, oh, I want to start running or I want to start at the gym, we can set the bar really, really low, which is great to like kind of get in the door, but having in the back of our mind a really big goal that we would like to work towards Something you you don't even think you can necessarily do, but having that in the back of your mind or writing it down somewhere and then just taking really small steps to work towards it. There's a good analogy for this um, because I think when we look at those goals on paper, they, if I took, for example, um, a new runner, for example, and, and they said, look, my, my BHAG, my big, hairy, audacious goal is to run 50 kilometers one day. Now, that sounds really big and hairy and audacious, but the reality is with time and with slow development, it's totally feasible. We can absolutely get you there if you put in the work. But instead of on day one focusing on the 50Ks and you go out for your very first run and you think, oh my goodness, this just, oh, how am I ever going to do 50Ks? Instead, what we want to do is bring the attention to that first step, to that first 10 meters and just worry about that. And there was a good little analogy I heard, which I kind of connected to the BHAG, which is if I went and put you out in the forest somewhere and gave you a compass and said, follow the compass north and I'll, I'll see you there. You, you wouldn't necessarily, you don't want to think about, oh, will, will Dave be at the other end or, or you know, how far is this going to be or all these other things. You just, Think about that first step and, and moving forward, following the north needle on the compass. And you might come across boulders. You might come across some streams you might have to navigate. But if you just keep following that process and trusting that process, eventually you're going to find your way north. And it's the same with our BHAGs, our big, hairy, audacious goals. Just taking the first step, starting to work your way through the process and learning and developing as you go.
So there you go. There's my, in place of asking Aaron a bizarre question, that's my little thought for you this week. Think about some big, hairy, audacious goals you can set for yourself and just take the first step. Don't worry about the, the end goal. Worry about the first step in it. Okay, so let's get into the main portion of the show. So I had to think about, okay, what can I talk about on my lonesome that I have a fairly good knowledge of and um, I can get by without Erin on? And I decided to talk about athletic performance on a vegan diet because I feel like I'm relatively qualified to talk about this one. So a bit of a background on me. I have next month, actually, in June, I will celebrate my five-year vegan anniversary. I have been living a vegan or a plant-based lifestyle since 2017. Um, It was something that I historically really had never thought about. I never thought I would live a vegan lifestyle, but here I am. It was something that I discovered at a certain point in time and it really resonated with me. So first of all, what is a vegan diet? And how is a vegan diet um, different to a plant-based diet? So you might hear both of those words used interchangeably, and they're not really um, plant-based. So, all right, a vegan diet basically means you you are doing your utmost to exclude any form of animal product from your life. So that includes the food you eat. So obviously things like no meat, no eggs, no dairy. We avoid things like gelatin, which you might find in jelly, in desserts, in sauces. We avoid um, whey proteins, which is obviously derived from milk. We avoid honey. We avoid caviar, anything that comes from an animal, even if it is, you know, kind of like honey. A lot of people will go, oh, but that comes from... You know, nothing's happening to the bees, but it's still an animal product. It also usually extends to further in the lifestyle. So, for example, I won't, you know, consciously buy a, a leather couch. I'm going to choose options which don't uh, involve animal products. Um, do my very best to avoid anything else. Um, you know, personally, I, I don't go to zoos or anything like that that, that um, feature animals. Um so that's kind of what veganism, you do your very best. Now, there's, there's always limits on this. Um, for example, um, many of our medical products, if, you know, for example, COVID vaccination, they have been tested on animals. Am I going to get a COVID vaccine? Absolutely am because um, that's pretty important to protect um, myself and my community and us as a society. Um, so it is taking as many reasonable steps as you can um, but there are, there are always going to be limits and, and that's an individual choice as to where people want to draw those lines. So that's a bit of a, an overview of what a vegan lifestyle looks like. Now, how that difference to plant-based, plant-based usually means that the, it usually refers to food. Okay. And a lot of the time vegan food is plant-based, but for example, um, I believe that, uh, is it, grilled they've got like a plant-based burger now the burger itself is actually plant-based but it still has like regular cheese on it dairy cheese so it usually means it is comprised mainly of plants but not always entirely of plants so as a vegan we get a little bit worried we just need to like do a double check of the ingredients but plant-based living usually refers to um 
to food, not necessarily other products that you might buy and have around you in the rest of your life. So there's a bit of a difference there. You also might hear whole food plant-based and that's generally the diet I try and strive for, which means we're eating foods that are as close to their original form as we can. So avoiding processed and hyper-processed foods such as fake meats, um, such as fake cheeses, etc. in favor of things which are more are more close to their original form. So instead of buying a fake meat burger, maybe we make something out of lentils and carrot and peas, etc., which resembles a similar product, but it is closer to a whole food um, uh, makeup. So there's a couple of little definitions there for you. Now, the next question is, why would you choose a vegan or a plant-based diet? And actually, from the get-go here, a few things... First of all, I'm not a medical professional. Um, I think that goes without saying. So I'm here just to give you my experiences on me living as a vegan for five years. And secondly, I really want to discard the thought that veganism is elitist or it is expensive or it is some sort of trend that um, people buy into because I really don't think it's a trend. Um definitely not for me. It is it is something very close to my heart and really important to me. Um, although I know it is often kind of considered maybe a bit of a trend or something done for show. If you're considering going on a plant-based diet, maybe think about why. And here are probably three of the most common reasons that we see people going vegan. First of all, might be for health. So, some of the benefits of a plant-based or a vegan diet are, to, particularly if you're consuming a whole food one, is that you have almost no cholesterol in there because cholesterol um, comes from animal products. Um, there are some natural cholesterols in plant-based foods, but uh, as a whole, so if people with um, different issues with high cholesterol can benefit often from it under medical supervision. Um, we also might see people going vegan for the animals which is personally the reason why I have, um, that we don't like to back the exploitation of animals um, and we want to try and just let them chill and live their best lives and us not get involved with them. And finally, the probably the third most common one is the environment. So we know that animal agriculture and uh, livestock contribute huge amounts of CO2 and carbon footprint to our world and our environment, the, you know, the, the actual cost of growing crops to feed animals, to clearing land for livestock, to transporting animal products all around the world has a huge environmental cost. So that's probably the third little prong of why people might choose to go vegan. There's plenty of other choices, um, plenty of other reasons, plenty of other pathways, but they're probably the three most common ones. Next question I usually get is, is it hard to switch to a vegan diet and I think like any change in your life or your diet it absolutely is a bit confronting to begin with because uh, you need to start at the very beginning and educate yourself you need to understand what's actually in your food you need to understand what comes from an animal and what doesn't come from an animal and there are a few really cool tips and tricks you can use for this first of all reading labels reading labels is going to become your best friend you need to understand that um, for some reason people just want to throw milk protein or milk powder into absolutely everything. Um, there's going to be sneaky little additives here and there. 
um, they're going to crop up. So there are some really cool apps and tools, uh, the vegan, what's it called? Vegan food scanner, where you can literally scan a barcode and it'll go yes or no, or maybe there might be some ingredients which are questionable in there. Um, of course, if you can buy things that don't actually have labels on them, like whole foods, that's even better. Um, so if you can just get those carrots, get those potatoes, um, that's going to be a really safe place to be as well. I would say in the beginning, don't be too hard on yourself. If you're switching from a non-vegan diet, you're going to make mistakes and that's fine. Um, and maybe your switch doesn't even look like a full plant-based switch diet. Maybe it's you know really taking a heavy lean into that and, and maybe wherever, wherever possible, you're choosing a plant-based meal or option as opposed to a non-plant-based one. That can be a great place to start. I think easing yourself in and which some people would argue against. I Look, I think that carking back to I really don't want people to feel like veganism is elite. I think that we, we're all in our own journey. We all arrive in a plant-based lifestyle in different ways and I think that we... Um, we shouldn't judge other people. I know that that may not be a popular opinion in some circles, but uh, I think to make it a sustainable life choice, then absolutely taking little steps and doing the best that you can is better than um, taking a huge dive and then feeling really bad about it and just never coming back to it. Yeah. Reading labels, Absolutely. Understanding food additives as well. Uh, there's a lot of e-numbers. There's little e-numbers that you see on back of products. A lot of those are animal-derived or maybe. Um, learn a little bit more about those and see how you go. Again, there's a few more apps where you can punch in the e-numbers and, and it'll tell you if it's likely to be derived from an animal or not. Um, and then you can make an informed choice about whether that is for you. Back to... The expense of veganism. So again, I think that people feel like historically it's been it it's had an air of elitism about it because people perceive it as really expensive. And I think look, it, it can be expensive if you walk into a supermarket or you walk into a deli and buy everything that's labelled vegan on it that is made, you know, exclusively for for that for a vegan market which is trying to replicate. I don't know. Um, uh, a faux duck or um, a, you know a really classy looking bolognese which is going to cost you $15 a serving absolutely it can be atrociously expensive if you opt for those direct analogs to animal based uh, meals or dishes when you are considering adding more into your diet from the plant based realm I think those meals are absolutely fine if you've got the dollars, but I would start to look at some other recipes or starting to get yourself familiar with some cooking techniques where you can create other substitutes and analogs. So a really good example of that actually was on Friday, I made mac and cheese for someone and instead of we had the basis, okay, we had macaroni, we had pasta, that's fine. It's just flour and water and a bit of salt. And for the macaroni portion, I could have gone and bought a, commercial vegan macaroni which sometimes is perfect and ideal because I haven't got enough time and I just want to do it and I'm happy to spend the dollars 
But on this occasion, I had a little bit more time. So um, I have a really good recipe for it's actually a whole food plant-based one. So it's comprised mainly of pumpkin and sweet potato and some cashews and some nutritional yeast and then a whole bunch of spices. And I actually just made my own sauce, which was tasted really amazing, um, but probably cost me like, I don't know, three dollars for the sauce and a dollar fifty for the pasta and it probably had about six to eight servings out of it so it can be really inexpensive but sometimes you need to sink a little bit of time into doing research and into learning to cook as well if you probably want to make you know if you want to make veganism a long lasting part of your life you probably need to get comfortable with cooking if you're not already or find some joy in that um i know that i'll a lot of people these days don't do a lot of cooking. Um, so it can be a great way to, to pick up a new hobby or to fall back in love with things. And it can get really fun and really creative. Let's bring this back to fitness, shall we? Thinking about um, veganism and performance. So a few things I want to dispel here. I'm not going to make any claims that veganism has radically changed my life. It has made me 50% more effective at the gym or run twice as fast because the reality is that it, it really hasn't changed my performance all that much that I can note. And in saying that, there's a lot of other variables. I've aged five years in that time. I've gone on to explore a whole bunch of other areas of fitness and uh, started doing a whole different collection of workout types in that space. So I haven't necessarily got data to to fully go, oh, I've made this much improvement in this because so much has changed in the rest of my life during that five years. So I'm not claiming that there's going to be any miraculous turnaround, but what I would say is it a plant-based vegan diet is 100% supported me during that time. I don't feel any worse. Um, I maybe feel like I generally make better health decisions, like food decisions, in that it's coming from a plant. So um, I generally will opt for more whole food items where I can rather than hyper-processed. And that's mainly because of how my body doesn't love hyper-processed foods. Um, I have to stay away from particularly soy proteins. Um, my guts just don't like it for some reason. So some days I can deal with it, some days I can't, but I'll generally opt for things that are made more out of beans and veggies instead of um, soy proteins and and meat analogs. So that automatically kind of leads me to making slightly better food choices than probably a non-vegan diet. Having said that, do I make pretty average food choices some days. Yes, I did go and buy a six-pack of the salted caramel vegan cookies from Coles yesterday and maybe eat three before 11 a.m. Absolutely. Like, I'm just like anyone else. Um, vegan junk foods still exist out there and there's plenty of choices for it nowadays. Um, so it doesn't automatically mean you're going to make amazing food choices. It might be a little bit... But... Generally, I would say I'm probably making better food choices now than I was pre-vegan. And I would say I'm probably a little bit more in control of my eating um, in that I can feel... I'm probably consuming less sugar than I did before I was vegan. Um, again, because of the food choices. My body does not love sugar. I think I've talked about this before on the pod. Uh, I get a lot of bloating and discomfort, so... Um, I generally feel a bit more in control of my eating and I generally feel a little bit more just easy within myself. But um, 
But yeah, I'm not professing there's going to be any magical change in your life from it. I'm really selling this, aren't I? I'm trying to give you a really realistic rundown here of my experience and my switch. I'm not trying to sensationalize anything, just trying to give you my experience. So steps to switching to a plant-based or a vegan diet or taking little baby steps along the way. Start exploring some science-backed resources. 100%. I think you need to educate yourself, but I'm I'm a person of science, so make sure that there's some backing behind it and it's not just someone claiming something. Um, show me the papers, right? Show me the papers is what Aaron would say. Experiment with some new foods. If it all seems really overwhelming and you have a desire to switch to a plant-based diet, just have a quick Google, have a look on YouTube, find a recipe, you know, think about your favorite food, like the mac and cheese, for example, uh, and see how you might be able to make something that is similar to what you might currently eat that isn't plant-based, um, but do it, do it in a way that is plant-based and just ha- experiment, have a bit of fun. Pizza is another great one. Pizza is pretty straightforward. Get yourself a pizza base or make a pizza base if you're feeling really excited um tomato paste get some vegan cheese if you want some there's some pretty good analogs now and then just find some fun toppings you like it's pretty hard to go wrong with pizza throw some mushies on there some tomatoes and whatever you want to do vegan chicken it's always a good time to experiment with new foods following on the back of that learn to enjoy the process of cooking now this might this might be like the clencher for some people who just hate cooking but it's not like you need to be slaving over a stove for hours on end. It might be as simple as learning a really easy recipe for overnight oats that you can make for breakfast in the morning or a really easy soup or a really easy mac and cheese or an easy pizza recipe, whatever it looks like for you. Learn to get a little bit more involved in your food and in cooking. And I think that's good for anyone regardless of their diet is get more involved with the food and understand what it is that you're cooking and what you're eating as well. Next little point to consider is be skeptical of some resources. So it is 2022. Anyone can grab a a camera or a microphone like I am right now and say things, okay? doesn't mean they're true. There are plenty of YouTubers. There are plenty of people with podcasts. There are plenty of publishers who will make really huge claims or propose really crazy diets or variants on veganism. And I would say, you know, you need to be looking after your health, first of all, and you need to make informed decisions that are going to suit you in your lifestyle. Understanding if you have any pre-existing health conditions or contraindications which are going to prevent you from eating certain types of foods or mean that you need to prioritize certain foods uh, or vitamins and minerals is really important. So don't go that out there and just start consuming a, um, a fruitarian diet without thinking that through, which is just basically where you eat fruit and a whole bunch of sugar and not a lot of probably nutrition in that. So do your own research. Be a little bit skeptical of some resources. Look for the science. Look for some evidence. That leads me on to finding someone who's going to help you along this journey, especially if you have any form of existing health conditions. You need to have a medical professional that's working with you. It might take you a little bit of time to find a medical professional who is going to back you because some people may just go oh no veganism vegan diet no no good 
no good. And your doctor might go, no, I don't recommend that for you. Um, and I honestly believe that anyone can have a vegan diet and can probably do so in a very healthy and safe way, assuming that they've considered their circumstances and their needs. Um, I can't, as a, I can't imagine a reason why you couldn't. Um, there are always ways for us to make up vitamins and minerals if we need to here and there. Um, but finding a doctor or a healthcare professional who is going to support you in that journey, who's going to ensure that you're not deficient in anything is, is going to be really important as well. Maybe even consulting a nutritionist um, or a, um, a certified dietitian would be the absolute best. Someone who's able, who has experience in plant-based eating is going to be really, really good for you. I, up until recently, haven't had any issues with supplementing any vitamins or minerals. So there are usually two things that can crop up for vegans quite commonly. The first is B12. So B12 is a really important B vitamin, which um, helps cognitive function in the brain. B12 is naturally found in soil. However, due to our kind of the way we process our food right now, um, uh, in, in our modern age, we wipe all the dirt off uh, of the soil, okay? Which, pretty, I, I'm okay with that. You can get rid of the soil. Um, B12 is found in soil and dirt, and not back in the good old days, um, we would probably consume small trace amounts of soil as part of our diet just because of how we're eating things back in the oldie day. These days we wash everything, so we don't get that B12. So a few different options for you. There's a lot of foods which are, which are fortified in B12, a lot of our plant milks, uh, a lot of things like nutritional yeast, a lot of other items are supplemented with B12 and they're fortified with them. So keeping a track on that. You can also get B12 supplements either in the form of a tablet or um, a spray, which you can use just a couple of times a week. Um, B12 is a water-soluble vitamin, so generally pretty safe. Um, to to use without necessarily talking to a doctor, but you should always consult them anyway, probably. Um, but the the consequences of being deficient in B12 can be that long-term there can be some cognitive uh, degradation. So really important you just keep up a B12 as a bit of a habit. So the other item of vitamin mineral to think about is iron and this is definitely one that you should only be doing under medical supervision because there can be repercussions if you start taking iron uh, when you don't need it um, you can put a lot of stress on your liver and cause some dramas there so i didn't have any dramas with iron deficiencies up until about a year ago and i was just feeling a bit blur and a bit down and a little bit of lack in energy, which to be honest, again, there's so many other factors in life. I thought some of it was just aging. Some of it was just COVID and um, everything getting the better of me. But I went to the doctor and we had some bloods done and yeah, I had some pretty low iron markers. At that point in my life, my diet had probably fallen away quite a bit as well. Um, not really eating the full breadth of foods, which I should, wasn't really eating a whole lot of iron-rich foods. So um, understandable. But now I do supplement iron under the guidance of my doctor um, and I felt much, much better as a result. As a male, generally um, less of a concern. 
Um, for ladies, absolutely iron just inherently through menstruation is going to be, um, whether you're vegan or not, right, is, is a big concern. So probably, you know, definitely keeping an eye on that and consulting with your medical professional is going to be super important to ensure that you can feel amazing and great on a plant-based diet. But, um, yeah, you definitely want to make sure you're not just popping the iron tablets if you haven't been given the okay by a medical professional. Is there any downsides to veganism? Um, for me, I would not look. I've I would not go back to a non-vegan diet. Um, for me, it's part of my life now. It's part of what I do. I feel much better on this sort of pathway and lifestyle. The only downsides I'd say is sometimes finding food when you're traveling or you're out and about can be a little bit trickier. You need to be a little bit smarter and a bit wiser about it. It can take more time to find something to eat. Um, going to the US back in 2019, I think it was, that was a little bit tricky uh, in certain areas, but surprisingly okay in others. For example, the airport, there was always, I knew I could always buy a cliff bar at the airport, so I knew I had something to eat, but if you're out and about, sometimes it was just a banana and a bottle of water was the best I could find, but that's because I was traveling. Uh, my general way to overcome that when traveling is to find a supermarket and go buy some stuff. That's generally what I'll do. It can be sometimes challenging out at restaurants as well. I will generally pre-screen restaurants before I go if I know where I'm going um, and do my very best to figure out do they have options, do they have alternatives. Uh, if not, can I request ahead of time? So sometimes there's a little bit more planning involved in that as well but generally speaking it's been you know it's quite an easy transition uh, once you know what you're looking for other resources to look at have a look at a few documentaries again i want to be really transparent a lot of these are maybe a little bit um they've they've got their own purpose and intention so go on with open eyes but there's a few documentaries which i'll link in the show notes one's called what the health on Netflix, Game Changers is all about athletes on a plant-based diet. And there's a lot of people that I follow um, who are in that documentary. And uh, another great author, which I like his book called Finding Ultra, uh, is Rich Roll. Um, he has a fantastic story. Um, and he talks a lot about athletic performance on a vegan diet. So um, he's also featured in What the Health. Um, but he also has another book called Finding Ultra. He speaks a lot about that. All right, let's wrap up this episode now, shall we? We'll be right back. All righty, so athletic performance on a vegan diet. Let's talk about the common sense approach. You can 100% perform on a vegan diet, just like switching fuel sources uh, for a fire. Instead of using wood, using gas, or using a different fuel source, doesn't necessarily make the... um, the outcome any different you're still able to effectively fuel and drive but you're just running on a different fuel source and throughout this whole change i'd say if you want to change to a plant-based diet you've got to find your own reason you've got to find your own reason that was the only way i think that you will have a sustainable change to a plant-based diet is if you've got a strong conviction and a strong reason for switching educate yourself on the food it gets easier as you go on. Educate yourself on what you're putting into your body, what is uh, in each packet that you're picking up and you're eating. 
and it does get easier. I can now walk into a supermarket very easily and just go, yep, 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 I can eat that, 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 can't eat that, can't eat that. I can have this version of this food but not this version. Um, And there's honestly a vegan option for nearly everything these days. So you're not going to be missing out. Learn to cook. If you don't already, actively cook. It's going to help you. You can take baby steps into it. You don't need to be doing full-on Julia Childs straight out of the gate. You can take some little baby steps into it. It's okay. But I think that learning to cook is just a really important skill that we should all really have. And then finally, keep an eye on your blood work. Keep an eye on how you're feeling within yourself. And if you're unsure at any stage, really just get into a medical professional. Get them to... um, just assess you and make sure you're still on track and and feeling good all right so there's my first solo episode today thank you for joining me if you want to stay healthy the common sense way like follow and subscribe to the show wherever it is that you find your podcasts remember you can send us questions comments and special dietary requirements via email and our address is mail at commonsensefitnesspodcast.com Until next time, my name is Dave and Erin will be back next week. Thanks. Bye.